Hello and welcome back. This is Curiously Polar. My name is Chris Markward and with me, as usual, is Henry. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. We almost... This... this. Okay, so the, the thing is, we just, when we're recording this the day before, we switch to um, winter time, to away from daylight saving time. And I was really adamant of checking this out. And it worked out because uh, you're in Romania and you also switched yesterday. But I had another recording yesterday with uh, someone in the United States and they switch a week later. So that turned into disaster. And, and I found out why uh, some places, why the Americans switch a week later because of the candy manufacturers, because they want to have the switch after Halloween so they can sell their candy for an hour longer it's weird it's totally weird and it's nothing <laughs> nothing to do with this show and <laughs> with the arctic topics but um i think this dates the show well this is the 26th of october 2020 and it is indeed we're end of october unbelievable in our remote settings and uh in all the online internet glory so This is an audio podcast, but of course, it's also a video podcast. Henry, you look better than ever. You just switched to a different camera. Thank you. You, 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 you too, you got a new haircut. I got a haircut um, <laughs> uh, uh, one, one, once every uh, three months right now, maybe two and a half. It, I think that's quite important that we have visual improvements every now and then and um, mm -hmm. keep the the video version of that podcast important <laughs> and interesting well it's 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 a constant learning experience audience. and i i know that a For lot sure. of a lot of people who are watching this spend a lot of time in front of their screens right now in video conferences and uh they're probably fed up with 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 uh, the look and the sound of zoom so so um oh, yeah. that's why we're working on making this as good as Great. we can so Here we are with an episode titled The Last Surrender. What is that about? It's about history. And I got just caught up um, last week in some history. And you know how it is when you start something on Wikipedia or digging in a book. You and go down you a rabbit hole. That's what you do. Exactly. <laughs> And that was actually a quite deep rabbit hole. And I just came from I to B, from B to Z. And I ended up somewhere where I never have been before. Um, I mean, I, I travel a lot to, to Spitsbergen and I know quite some history there. And of course, also some, some wartime history, but I never really got into certain aspects of the, uh, of the wartime. Um, not really into certain missions, let's put it that way. So let's, let's put Spitsbergen the, on the map or Svalbard. Here's the world map. Here is this place. Yes, Svalbard high. is north of Norway. Yeah. And, uh, and Spitsbergen is the left Greenland. the left island, the western island of it, pretty much the big archipelago. Um, and that's what it's called in many places, like in Germany, for example, But uh, the international term for the whole thing is Svalbard. So indeed, so the whole um, archipelago is uh, Svalbard, and um, I came across a very interesting story, and that was the weather stations of um, all yeah, involved parties during World War II, and they had a number of weather stations across the Arctic because obviously a lot of the uh, World War II 
uh, took place on the Atlantic, on the North Atlantic. And if you want to predict weather of the North Atlantic, you have to understand how the weather forms and you have to make predictions. And those predictions um, took place mainly in very, very remote places. And um, a lot of nations uh, involved started using weather ships. So they actually refitted certain fish trawlers and um, sent them onto very interesting places somewhere in the middle of nowhere where they just have held their position through gale force like storms and have done nothing else but observing the weather and just recorded a number of variables and have just reported them to their headquarters and there the meteorologists have basically um yeah, just put them into models and just forecasted the weather. And that was very interesting when you see the history of uh, who, which party has put up weather stations where. Um, in Greenland, for example, along the east coast, you have a number of um, stations used by the Allied forces, uh, mainly by um, by Denmark, by England, and the and the US. And uh, then Germany came into uh, into place and used the same. Um, coastline a little bit further north they tried to go um, north of Scorosby Sound and um, accidentally got um, discovered by uh, the freshly established Sirius patrol which is like a uh, a dog sledge patrol of um, of Denmark um, and Greenlanders um, supported by the US back then and they are just patrolling the, the northeast of Greenland which is super remote super vast it's a, a, a huge area and they're um, just on the run for, for days um, on one stretch just to r- really patrol the area and just um, yeah, report if some enemy uh, movements can be observed. And they actually stumbled across uh, two Germans who um, were just hunting on a uh, you know, in a fjord in a very remote fjord and uh, as soon as the the germans uh, discovered the uh, patrol uh, like three men one danish and uh, two um greenlanders they just left everything behind and just flat back to the place where they came from which is <laughs> a fjord further and um that was just like a, a back and forth so the the serious patrol um tried to get closer to the germans the germans pushed them back and at one point um, the the commander of the German party, together um, with two more people, just um, took um, the the leader of the patrol, the Danish leader, into captivity. And uh, later on, because he was a very experienced um, dock sledge driver, they decided that the the commander of the German uh, mission and the um, captain of the serious patrol are going just on a uh, reconnaissance mission together was kind of a stupid idea because um, the Danish guy just um, yeah took the German guy into captivity and by that the whole uh, mission just got reported back to the US. The US tried to um, bombard the, the weather station. You can see there's a lot of... Um, <laughs> Oh, okay. Back and, f- and, and, and just let me interrupt you here because because I think that was also part of that whole weather station system where was that they were also not just there for the weather they were also partially watching for military activities uh, 
of the others. I mean, do, do you remember when we uh, visited the lighthouse up in uh, down in Lofoten and well, down in Lofoten, yes. uh, seen from Svalbard, <laughs> up in Lofoten, seen from here, where we visited the the lighthouse. Um, what was that? Yes. Uh, Scrollsvik. Right, and Scrollsvik, yeah. And uh, South, and the former lighthouse Senia, keeper yeah. gave us a tour, and he told us that they had to make weather measurements there because it's a very exposed place and it's pretty good to do weather manage, uh, measurements but they also had to report back uh, any enemy movements that they might see from Indeed. the lighthouse so it's a, it's a it's an interesting mix of things uh, that happens in war times and especially in the area up, up uh, further north where you have like svalbard or, or uh, greenland you have very very little places where you can actually place some buildings that remain for a certain period. So those weather stations were quite close to each other. And uh, Svalbard had a very special um, status. I, we talked about the Svalbard Treaty, um, which main, uh, that wasn't um, went into place, I think, 1920, so prior to World War II. And that means that the, um, the government of Norway, even though Norway got overrun by, by the Germans, um, hoped that the Svalbard Treaty uh, will be respected by all parties, and obviously it really didn't. So the, all the clauses about um, not spending military personnel there and have no military action in, in Svalbard just got dismissed at a certain point. Um, even though there was not big action um, because there's not much infrastructure, but the Germans tried to take over the, uh, the coal mines and um, the Allies tried to fight back. And they just established at very certain locations, weather stations, where they thought that they have a very good um, overview, not only over the area, but also um, into the direction where the weather, uh, where they thought the weather forms. And, of course, if you have the station so close, you will have, at certain points, enemy contact. But that particular mission um, started in September 44. So that is very, very late in World War II, there were a number of stations established already, and they got established for winter or for two, um, but no station really lasted for um, like five years or four years. Uh, it was really not that significant um, time. They just got um, re-established later on if the position the, the station was on uh, was considered useful, but that particular one was brand new. And when you consider the, the exploration history of, of Svalbard, then it's quite amazing to see that the location they, they chose is really remote. It's basically at the end of the world. And if you could just put the card back, uh, the map back on, we can have a look at, at the whole archipelago. You see the, the large island of Spitsbergen, and in the northeast you see North Eastland and North Eastland. This is like one of the remote places, very difficult to go to, have um, the largest glacier um, by by uh, area in, in Europe. And that's the place where they decided to establish a weather station. You see the top fjord, the, the largest fjord um, coming from the north. It's a uh, right fjord. And on the eastern shore of that fjord, they decided to establish that base. And they selected a man for that, um, for that uh, mission who is educated as a teacher and he was a geography teacher he was um yeah just teaching students and because of his expertise in geography and geology i decided to um, take him into the weather service of uh, the wehrmacht and there he was leading um the weather service 
unit in uh, Tromsø and just got selected to lead um, a group of 11 men to build up that station there. Those 11 men were mainly scientists. So they were just selected to really um, yeah, observe the weather, make the reports and um, just stay put there. And then they had like uh, two or three of the mission who actually were soldiers uh, in case there's enemy contact. So they brought in material to build the hut, to build the whole um, station there for 11 people. Where around this fjord was the station? More towards the sea, was, more towards the inside? It's uh, very in, in the interior, in the southeastern corner of okay, that Okay, so we're, we're zooming you in. See the, you see the island there, north of the island on the, on the right side. That's where ah, it's supposed okay. to be. Okay, exactly over there. That's where the, the station um, was established. And they've built up the the, the station well, from pre-made um, assembled stuff they brought in. And they didn't only brought in the station themselves and all the gear and equipment they needed. They brought in provisions for a number of years. And that, in the end, was kind of lucky. Because even though they reported very regularly, like three times a day, they took... Um, measurements three uh, every three hours so i had uh, a huge batch of information they needed to to gather every three hours they um they gathered those information three times a day to report it so-called program times they reported that back to the quarter headquarters in tromsø and they back to the headquarters in germany but in may 19, uh, 1945 they had a last radio call from tromsø saying that um they need to reorganize things and after that the whole contact just was gone there was no contact back home no contact back to their headquarters they tried to reach them and then they switched to um, channels they knew were used by their allies and figured that germany has um, surrendered and the war was over they in fact um got note of the war crimes the allies discovered very really? uh, quickly after after the surrendering and they were discussing about that there were very young men there uh, around 20 and uh, 20 years of age and they were completely surprised by um by the uh, conviction of the of the war crimes that german soldiers um were supposed to have um, participated in, and the the head of the of the mission, uh, Wilhelm Dege, decided to switch off those channels and not let those information overrun the um, the mission. So he decided, as long as they have no contact to anyone else, they just continue gathering the weather data. <laughs> so. So, 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 so they didn't know anything that happened. They were just doing their job. Exactly. They were just scientific uh -huh. personnel, not included in, in, in much more. <laughs> and the, the decision was to take the mission of that wartime weather station into just a regular weather station. So they just continued with the exact same set of information and they changed the reporting. So they didn't report to the frequency of the German headquarter any longer, but they just went onto a public channel they knew was observed by the Allies. And they just did. They just reported for weeks, for months actually, until at some point that got caught up and 
the Allies decided to send uh, a ship, which was, in, in fact, a Norwegian seal hunter. And that seal hunter vessel just came in in September, in the 4th of September, 1945. So we, we draw back. Uh, the surrender was in the beginning of May, and they just stayed put for month until September uh, 45. Then the sealing vessel came in. The captain came uh, ashore, and the captain um, apparently was uh, someone the commander of the mission, Wilhelm Dege, already knew from previous um, explorations in Svalbard because he traveled to Svalbard um, before on private um, geological expeditions. And this particular sealing vessel captain um, brought him to one or two of those expeditions. And that was uh, quite interesting because suddenly there were enemies and the sealing captain was kind of the official to uh, negotiate the surrendering of the last armed German forces. And the <laughs> the, the, the scientist who was the, the commander-in-chief there um, surrendered literally by handing over his uh, service pistol. And they had a um, celebration dinner before then um, getting onto the uh, sealing vessel. They headed back to Tromsø where they went uh, into imprisonment for a few months. And then they returned back at the end of '45 to Germany and were completely struck by the level of uh, destroyment. I was just, they, they, yeah. they, they didn't expect it anything like that. And that was in, in, a very interesting story to read. Um, uh, Wilhelm Dege later turned back as a as a teacher um he became a professor at the university actually in uh, geography and geology and he wrote a number of books on on that particular mission which i never came um or stumbled uh, across until now and it's it's definitely worth a read they're not only available in german a lot of translations are into english which is definitely a recommendation to to have a look into that that's a pretty wild story. That's <laughs> a very wild story indeed. I mean, just imagine you were at the end of the world and you know that there is nobody around but you any longer. You know, you know, but that's... I mean, today, if you're on a ship out there somewhere, um, you have GPS, you have some radio communication, but even that is not everywhere and then you're kind of cut off unless you have like a satellite phone with you. Um you you can still get into these situations, but you know how to get out of them again because you're not stranded there for months. Um, there is still a lot of the sea floor that is uncharted, so there's still a lot of areas where you have to go by sonar and by like touch and feel and ears and eyes, but uh, don't have GPS data for some places. So it is really interesting. I mean, even the map that even the map that we look at here. Um, that's an open street map, and it is very coarse, right? <laughs> it's it's not as as detailed as it could be. Um, we we have another map here that gives us a bit more context here. So, um, but still, I mean, you you can get cut off to um, in, in places, and especially back then when the internet wasn't there and nothing was there, you only had radio communication and one way radio communication af after a certain point where you just shout in the void and you hope someone listens to it and hears it. Um, yeah, that, okay. for example, was a big trouble in uh, East Greenland. The stations in East Greenland had really big troubles to get their message through mm -hmm. to Tromsø. Mm -hmm. The, the, the uh, signal was interfered very often, 
and they were just cut off of communication for quite some time. That's completely wild times. I mean, we can't really imagine that nowadays. We have all those search and rescue capabilities pretty much everywhere where we go. And even if you go on your own expedition, in certain areas like Greenland, you just simply have to have your um, recovery insurance oh. there. You have to have a fallback plan. And, and it's better you have a doctor on board <laughs> because because the next <laughs> hospital certainly. is possibly days or even longer away. So, Indeed. Yeah, the- But if you come, come back to the last um, map, please, where, of course. where we have the, the number of uh, German weather stations... Where you can see the different stations on East Greenland, there are four different um, dots. Two of them um, have been uh, established: Holzauge uh, in 1942 and <laughs> 1943. <laughs> we, it, it's very difficult to translate some of those. Um, Barskeiger the year later. So basically, what they figured in that year is that they got um, discovered, so they tried to move, and they moved actually further north then. Um, then there were two more uh, attempts to establish in uh, 44, but they got just pushed back by uh, the Danes and the US. Um, and then you see around Svalbard, you have uh, a big number of stations. And the strategy here was to actually take over existing stations from uh, the Norwegian and the Danes after they got occupied by Germany, um, which wasn't that easy as it sounds. Because it's just very remote. And if you see, for example, um, Torgit and uh, Svartis and Helhus, uh, they are um, on very small remote islands uh, in the Barents Sea. So approaching them is very difficult um, with Björnöra and, and Hinlopen. And they just reported for quite some time the weather report to the Allies um, before the Germans um, reoccupied them or, or occupied them and then established um their first own ones later uh, in that time and they even uh, moved further east towards uh, franz josef land uh, where you have um, schatzgräber uh, which was established in the same year like um, kreuzritter a year before the story uh, we just talked about so uh, those stations you can see they were just uh, built up for a season for one season lasted not very very long so there is no real contingency there it's a very difficult place, um, especially when you consider the times back in the days. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, history has a lot of stories, and I'm very glad that some of those have been recorded and can be retold oh, yes. again, because, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a fascina- fascinating look at a very strange time in our in our last 100 years. Hmm. True story. Okie dokie. Um, yeah, that was the last surrender um, happened in the Arctic. And uh, it, yeah, really puts things in a different perspective. So that was it for this episode. Um, thanks, Henry, for your time. And uh, you out there, tell us what you think about our episodes. We want to know if we have any topics that we that are dearly missed. Do you want to get in a deeper insight on something or an update on a previous topic? Uh contact us we have an email address info at curiouslypolar.com we have online presence on uh, the web at curiouslypolar.com on twitter at curiouslypolar and on insta at curiouslypolar and we'll be back um, I guess we're regular back to a weekly schedule so uh, you should be able to expect us to be back in a week from now until then everyone take care bye bye <laughs>